You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. So what a, what a wonderful thing to have a baptism. And to be honest with you, is that several of you have been asking me about baptism, I'll do a baptism every week. This is not something like, okay, you know, we're going to schedule out six months from now and let's get everybody ready. Like, okay, let's, can we do this again next week? I would like to do that, you know, and can we do it the week after that and then the week after that? And it's just been a, a long time since we've truthfully had had one, uh, so too long. So truly grateful for that. And the pictures that Dan shared so eloquently and so personally and, and uh, with Lydia and that out of Lydia's own story of just the change in her life doesn't come today. It's not that she gets to go home and, you know, have something that's different. The change happened back when in her story, she said, I give up. That's really what it's all about. God, I give up trying to lead my life my way and not your way. It's not saying, okay, God, I've been a, a jerk or I've got some sin. I'm just going to kind of give into that and obey it. It's like, God, I can't do it. I totally surrender. I completely yield to you that you love me and you died for me. And I realize I've been resistant to you, but I trust Jesus. I turn from my sins and I trust him as my Savior, my Lord. And that moment in our lives, that when we take that step of faith, that our life is changed forever. And the baptism is a wonderful picture of that because as we talked a couple of weeks ago, that it's a picture of our death with Jesus, that as Jesus died on the cross, that in a very real way, we died with him because we are now in Christ when we surrender to him. And when Lydia came out of that water, it was just a picture that she's now alive. It's something that happened a while ago that none of us knew. Maybe somebody really observant could have looked at her life and said, you're a little different lately. I don't know. But the newness comes after we take that step of faith. There's no greater change that will ever come into your life or my life than this. Graduating high school doesn't pale in comparison. Getting a degree in college or an advanced degree doesn't compare. Getting a new job, getting in a relationship, getting married, having kids, buying a different house, moving, retiring, nothing in life brings the kind of change that's wholesale across the board in every, every way. So often we fall for kind of that fool's gold, thinking, well, you know, this is going to be different now. We're going to move and everything's going to be different. And after a while, you're like, that's just kind of the same thing all over again. You know, we think that this new, this new relationship is going to be different. And after a while, you're like, this feels familiar. I've been here before. And really, only Jesus is the one that brings lasting, real, permanent change in our life. And so this morning, I'm going to share with you four of those real changes that God shares with us in the book of Romans, chapter 8. Four changes, incredible things that happens in our life. Some of you have experienced these changes, and hopefully this will encourage you and remind you of that and maybe deepen that a little bit more and refresh it for you. And others of you are trying to figure the salvation out. Some of you maybe are like, well, I think I'm saved. I know I am. And but maybe along the way, God's kind of saying, yeah, you're not. You haven't taken that true step of faith. You've been relying on some other things. And hopefully this morning will help motivate you and help you to, to see where you can go. So take your Bible, if you would, and read with me in Romans 8. You can look on the screen if you don't have your phone open. Or uh, I'm kind of old school. I always carry a Bible, even at church, when I'm, even if I'm not preaching. But uh, read with me in Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 1. The Bible says this, There is therefore now no condemnation 
None. Nada. Nil. Zip. Zilch. No condemnation whatsoever for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not for those who go to church, not for those who believe in God, but those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. For the law of the Spirit of life, here's, here's why that's possible. The law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. God has done something in your life. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, weakened by our physical, you know, our, our physical bodies in our life, could not do. He did it by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. God did through Jesus, dying on the cross for us, and He met the righteous requirement. Sin means death. We sin, we earn death. And so for you and me to be freed of sin, to be guiltless, to, be, uh, to have no condemnation, somebody had to die. So Jesus did. He met that requirement. He fulfilled the law on our behalf. For those, in verse 5, who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, the, the body of sin and just our, our life, life here on this earth. We put our minds on that. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. When we surrender to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our life, we become alive, and now our mind is not just set here, our mind is about the things of God as well. For the, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. There's a crazy thing, but people think, well, I'm not mad at God. I don't have a problem with God. I'm like, yeah, you do more than you know. If, we, if you are not a follower of Jesus and not surrendered your life to Him, your life is hostile to the holy God of heaven because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We'll stop there. I've got a few more verses before we're done. But the first thing that I want you to recognize that happens is, is that all condemnation is removed. All punishment disappears. It vanishes. It is gone. Have you ever lost something that's important to you? It's infuriating. I usually make laps in the house. Where did I leave that? Upstairs, downstairs, around, and all of that. And then I feel foolish. I've gotten used to it over the years. Honey, where did I leave it? And she, without fail, I mean 30 seconds, 60, here you go, put your hand on it. So I don't know how that works. It's just a mom-wife superpower kind of thing. Like you just know everything that's going on. But it drives me crazy. I took a part... I've been working on a, a bow. I like to shoot archery, and I needed to work on it. And it had a little... Uh, had like a little spring clip on it, like a little E-clip, some people call them. Just little tiny things, you know. That's when you start getting dangerous and you kind of, it's kind of spring-loaded. So I took it off and I caught it because it's the kind of thing when you take it off, it like bounces and flies, you know, feet through the air. And I caught it and I just put it right there where I saw, you know, everything was clear. And I'm like, okay, these, I'm going to lose parts. I can't afford to lose parts. I don't lose parts. Laid it down. I picked it up and put it on the table. And guess what? something happened. It grew wings, and it's just gone. And I'm looking all over. I'm like, where is that stupid thing? And I'm just like, gone. Disappears. You see, 
When we surrender our life to Christ, the salvation of God that He has purchased in heaven, and we'll talk about that He has chosen in us in Him before the foundation of the world and all of that incredible things in real space and time, not, not real outer space, but in a real now in our life and time, He brings all of that to bear in us when we surrender to Him that our condemnation is gone. It disappears. The God of heaven himself could not even find it. No wife could find it. All guilt, all shame, all punishment, vaporized, gone. No remnant, no little peace whatsoever. You see, we're all a disaster. We're all a mess. We're all our sinners. We all feel the guilt and the shame because in our heart, we're like, yeah, I really messed up. And our strategy is pretty simple. We either ignore it, well, it wasn't that bad. We kind of kind of walk away from it, or we try to hide from it, or we try to cover it over, but it's still in there. And when we surrender to Jesus, we experience that the God of heaven says, it's all okay. Your judgment is gone. It is just as if you've never done it. It disappears completely from you. That is incredibly good news. You know, if you don't think so, ask your kid. If, when your kids did something that's really bad and they know they've done something bad and they know they're in trouble and you walk in the room like, yeah, buddy, you didn't do anything. And your kid's kind of like, okay, what? What's the catch? Oh, no, this is really bad. My dad's never said this. Like, uh-oh, I'm really in trouble. No, buddy, everything's good. It's like, how can that be? You know, in that moment when you and I are freed, it's astounding because we know that we've messed up. But the judge of the universe says no condemnation. So here's a practical, tangible reality of that. I, I said last week or week before, I don't remember which, weeks blur together, but you know, there's this thing that's out there in the culture around us, and it's kind of it's kind of popular in the Christian culture too. We've bought into it, but it's actually not accurate. It's actually a lie of the enemy that, well, I need to forgive myself. Like, I know you forgive me, but I haven't forgiven me. I, I need to forgive myself. Folks, that is, that is not a thing. It's not a real thing. See, here's the deal. God says that you are forgiven. God says there's no condemnation. So why are you walking around feeling like you have condemnation, that you somehow have got to forgive yourself and got to get out from under it? So he, this is pretty insidious, and God's not looking at you. It sounds super spiritual. Well, I know God forgives me. I just need, I need to forgive myself. You know, I'm struggling, and I just need to find forgiveness. And it feels right, and it sounds right, and it's nice to say. But God in heaven is looking like, what are you talking about? I've told you you're forgiven. I've said there's no condemnation. Why are you saying there's condemnation when there isn't any condemnation? Are you calling me a liar? Are you saying I'm not wiser than you? Are you, not, are you saying that my decision is wrong? Are you saying somehow that my judgment is messed up? Are you saying I'm confused? I said you're forgiven. You got, you got nothing to forgive yourself for. It is done and over with. Why are you putting your forgiveness over my forgiveness? Why are you making yourself more important than me? Like, what is your problem? You see, reality is when we say that we need to forgive ourselves is we're actually trying to make ourselves where we don't need God. We're trying to say that, you know what, well, I'm just, you know, I don't want to ever have to do anything wrong. Folks, get over it. We're, we are all messed up. We need God's grace today, long after we surrendered our life to Jesus, as much as we did back then. And we don't need to try to come to terms with it in our own heart. We actually need to let come to terms with it that God in heaven has already come to terms with it. And we just need to enjoy and live out in that. And that if you're really trying to forgive yourself, you need to say, God, I really have messed up. 
And I trust your grace. Because when you're trying to forgive yourself, you're not trusting in God's grace. You're actually trying to be in a spot where you don't need His grace. And that's a dangerous place to be. There's pridefulness in there. It's confusion. You see, it's actually a lie of the enemy that's kind of putting that inside of us, making us feel like we've got to walk around and like we've got all of that. I'm not saying that we just say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Are they doing anything wrong? Of course it matters. And we confess to God in heaven and God forgive me. And he works that on our heart. But when we've done business with God and recognize that he already did business on our account, it is over. There is no condemnation. Remember last week, Paul was in that spot. He's like, oh, I don't know what to do. The things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do want to do, I don't do. And oh, I'm a mess. Ah, I'm a basket case. And God, he says, where do I get help? In this next verse, he says, thanks be to God. There is therefore now no condemnation. I don't have any of that in my life. I don't have to walk around trying to forgive myself or get over it. God's already gotten it over on my behalf. And how does that, how is that possible? That's what the next few verses in chapter 8 are talking about. He says, here's how this works. The law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You see, the law of sin and death is you do something wrong, you break the law of God, you die. In God's world, there are consequences. It's very simple. There's no skating, there's no escaping, there's no running away, there's no hiding. But when the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life, He breaks that bondage of that sin and He sets us free. He frees us from that law of sin and death because he can do that because Jesus paid the price. The penalty has been paid. It's, it's done. We are set free. It's like, it's like this. Let's say that, that you, you are, are having just major financial problems, right? And you've even downsized your house and you're, you're driving around in an old beat-up car because you can't afford what you, you, what you would like to have and can't live the way you have. And you've done everything you can and you're just trying to make ends meet and you're drowning. Medical bills have piled up and you know some past debts have piled up and you're going underwater, you're going down. Creditors begin calling and everything is it's just getting bad and eventually you know your car gets repossessed and you just you're you're in trouble. And all the stress and angst and all of it, you don't know what to do. And you go to bed and you're like, how am I even going to make it? And it's like you waking up the next day and you look out the window and Huh, somebody else parked in my driveway. Great, I need one other thing. There's a bright, nice, new, shiny car there. And, and you're like, what, what is this? And you kind of look around the neighbors. Have you seen this car before? No. And you kind of do some research. And you're like, do I need to call the cops? Like, what, what is this? this somebody's, they, they're, they're in my driveway. Get out of here. And you finally realize it's unlocked. And you see his keys there, and you're like, whose car is this? And you're like, well, I'm just going to find out. And you open the title, and you see your names on the, you know, the registration and everything, and you're like, what? I didn't buy a car. How is this possible? And meanwhile, you get a phone call, and the creditors are like, hey, thanks for paying up. You're, everything's good. And you're like, what? I didn't pay up. I'm broke. The next thing you know, you look, and you've got all this money. You've got a million dollars in your bank account. And you're like, what in the world happened? You see, that's what Jesus does on our account. He comes and pays all of our debts and bills that we could not pay. 
He pays it with His own money, His own blood on the cross, and then He gives us way beyond we ever can imagine. It's nothing that we have done. It's all of what He's done. And there's no condemnation in the middle of it. It is a changed life because the Holy Spirit comes and He makes everything new inside of us. And He did it by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus didn't sin, but He looked like a human being. He was a human being, is a human being, I should say. And He, can, in turn, He condemned sin. He didn't get condemned. He condemned it. And so when you and I trust Him, the Holy Spirit of God comes inside of us. And now we are changed. And instead of living a life that's stuck being chained to sin and in bondage to the debts that we owe, God just comes and breaks that. And He sets us free to live completely differently. It's amazing. It's, one of the, it's the greatest change that you and I can ever experience. But it gets better. There's three more things. Look what else he does. In verse 9, read with me. He says this. He says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. If, big if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. You know, Paul's just saying, look, if you've surrendered to Jesus and you know Jesus, you're not condemned, you're in the Spirit. If... The Holy Spirit of God really is inside you. If, he re if you really have surrendered your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives inside you, just as Lydia's testimony said, the only ones in heaven, or the only ones that knew she had really not surrendered to Christ were her and God. Nobody else knew. God knew and she knew. She kind of figured it out later. You know, at the time she didn't kind of get it. Some of you have experienced that. I've experienced that. I was baptized when I was six. I knew there was a God. I wanted, I was sincere. I was kind of that compliant kid. Make drove my sister crazy because, you know, she thought, you just think you're better and you're just good. You never get in trouble. She didn't know I got in trouble, but you know how that whole sibling rivalry thing goes. But I was a pretty compliant kid. I wasn't running around and crazy stuff. I lived in the country. It was before the internet. I didn't have access to a car. I lived on a highway. My nearest neighbor was probably a mile down the road. There's only so much trouble you can get into, right? You know, today, all bets off. Like the trouble comes right into your house and where you are. But, but I wanted to know God and I wanted to honor Him. And, you know, at that age, and I, you know, I prayed a prayer. But when I was 12, I knew that something was wrong and that I had gone through the motions, but there was something missing in my heart. That may be some of your experiences today, and you need to take that step to surrender to Christ. And then in the biblical pattern is after you surrender to Christ, is you get baptized as a testimony of that, because that's the change that God brings, that, that new life that comes. So the second thing with that that comes is there's not just there's no more condemnation. It disappears, but we now have a new life, a new life with the Spirit that He's inside of us because it's not us relying on just what we've done or, or think or those things, but He really has come. He's changed our life on the inside. We, we think in terms of salvation as the things that we do, and we often focus on that because we do need to respond to the gospel but truth be known, salvation is all about what God does. What God did long before, what Jesus did on the cross, 
And what the Holy Spirit does practically in our life and bringing that into a reality in our heart, and He, he just gives us a, a brand new thing. So in that moment, everything in our life is changed. Have you seen some of the videos where people, you know, who've never heard before, all of a sudden they hear? I've heard some differences of that's not as great as it seems, but and some are just like, it's amazing. But you watch the videos, people are like, I mean, they're just the shock in their face. It's just amazing. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be one of the people that Jesus healed who had been born blind? And to see color for the first time? And to see things? I mean, I'd be like, what, what's that? What color is that? What is this? Like, just their whole world, every day for the rest of their life is just mind-blowing, amazing. People had never walked before. Like, their whole life has changed because of those things. It's a picture of what Jesus does, is that we were dead and, and on the inside and spiritually just useless and not helpful and we're missing everything, but the Holy Spirit comes and makes us alive and so that our life is just, it's now not just we see color, but everything is in high def and we just, we just, everything changes. Our relationships change. Everything about us because we now live with the God of heaven, the God who spoke this universe into existence, the Holy Spirit who hovered over the face of the deep, the Bible says in Genesis 1, that same God now lives inside of you. And so that every moment of every single day, you are never separated from God. Everything is different. Everything has changed. You go from living life yourself, removed from God, separated from the God of heaven, to every moment you have the helper, the Holy Spirit in your life to help you know what to do, to what to say, to encourage you, to motivate you to say, stay away from that. Okay, you didn't stay away from it. Now I'm going to convict you and make you feel bad that you did that. Okay, now you've, con you've admitted that and you've repented of that and you understand why. Okay, it's all okay. I'm going to hug you. We're moving on in life. The just God of heaven, it just changes us. We now have life with the Spirit. He sets us free. And this body is dead, but the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of us. You see, that's the picture of baptism. The word baptism today to you and me, and as we hear that word, we immediately think of a religious rite of something that you do in church. But to believe it or not, when people were hearing the word baptism in the original language and what they were used to, that's not what they thought of. You see, the word just meant to immerse or to dunk or to, to plunge under. Like you can see ships were baptized when they were sunk at sea. When people were drowned, they were said to have been baptized. In fact, do you remember the story when Jesus was there in the upper room before he was crucified? And, and they're asking, he's like, one of you is going to betray me. And they're like, whoa, 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 it's not me, right, Lord? And they're asking, like, who? Who's the bad guy? And Jesus says, it's the one who's taking the bread and dipping with me right now. You know what that word dip is? Baptize. The person that's dunking their bread right now. Now, be honest, some of you are like, eat with your fingers, right? And, and, and you take the bread and you dunk it in. You don't just do a little bit, right? You don't pour it. You Put it down in there. You dunk it. You immerse it. That's what the word means. That's what it always meant. It's actually through church tradition and history that it began to change a meaning and take kind of a, a different meaning to, to our thinking. But originally it meant to plunge under. And it actually had another connotation, like a, 
kind of a, 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 a fiery, like a, a, a traumatic experience. Like people die when they get baptized. You've heard of like baptized by fire. It always has this kind of a, a, a trauma to it. And that's what the picture of immersion under the water. It's a picture that we have died. There's been trauma, not to us, but to our sin. And we've died with Jesus, and it's a picture of that new life coming out of the water. The water doesn't make that happen. The water is just a metaphor. It's a picture in real life of reminding us. Just like the Lord's Supper, when we take the bread and the juice or the wine, it's a picture of the body and blood of Christ. The water, as we baptize people, it's again, it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so that's why it's just, it's that whole picture and that biblically is why we do it. And it's really the picture that Jesus gave for us. So not only... When we surrender to Jesus, is all condemnation removed? We get a brand new life with the Holy Spirit from that day forward, always. Third thing that happens, we become debtors. Sean, I thought this was a free. I thought Jesus paid for our debt. He did. Hold on. Just read it. Read with me, verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. In other words, not according to sin and law, we need to live to God. God's changed us. We've got a responsibility to live to Him. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. When I was in college, uh, my degree was that I was studying was wildlife management. And so it was outside in the outdoors and all that. And my summer job one summer lived in Maine on top of a mountain. Uh, had a thousand foot sheer cliff, and I was paid to live there, which is fantastic. I'm like, you mean I I get paid to not take showers all summer long? I'm like, yes, this is awesome. It's awesome when you don't have a girlfriend, so it's not so awesome when you do. And it's kind of hard to get a girlfriend when you're not doing that. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. I'll stop there because I'm really going to get in a rabbit hole if I go any further on that one. I lived on top of that mountain, no electricity, tent, all of that. Our tent was as tall as the trees, and we were releasing nine peregrine falcons. They were an endangered species, and, uh, and they're the fastest bird in the world. They live by getting up high, like on bridges or tall buildings or some in New York City, great hunting ground, lots of pigeons in New York City. And when they spot a bird flying, they dive at over 200 miles an hour, and they literally hit it with their, with their feet, and they knock it out. And they're so fast, they can circle back around and grab the bird out of the air before it ever hits the ground. It's just un un amazing, absolutely amazing. Now, the way those birds were, they were raised as chicks. We didn't release adults because you don't want them just like being hand-fed and dependent. They need to learn how to hunt. And so they were brought up, put inside of a box, literally looking out their bedroom window is a thousand feet down. All of us would be like, what in the world? You know, to them it's like, oh, this is cool, it's normal. And so the day came after they kind of got used to their surroundings and used to what all that looked like, the door got opened. And it was time for them to fly for the first time. You think little robins like flying out of a little nest this high up is a big deal? You know what their first flight was? A thousand feet. I mean, gutsy, either stupid or gutsy move. Now, as the guy that was taking care of them, I lived on that mountain. I hiked up and down that mountain every other day to bring food. We'd throw quail down a 40-foot tube so they didn't, like this magic hole provided food for them so they didn't know that we were doing it. All of this work, right? And your taxpayer dollars paid for, you know, federal government. So thank you for providing for me then as well as here. And so they owed me at the end of that summer. 
You know what their debt to me was? Go live free and live your life. I would have been a little irritated had they just stayed there and like wasted away and died. I'd have been like, what in the world? I just did all of this for you just to sit here and do that? They in some ways were debtors to me to go live their life to be what they were created to be. That's when Jesus comes into your life and when you surrender your life to Jesus, that's what happens. He sets you free and He says, go live your life for me. Fly. Don't live for yourself. Don't be doing your own thing. Live for me. And we have a responsibility and debtors to that. And we get to do that. And it's awesome that we get to spread our wings and live for the God of heaven with the God of the universe every single day. Fourth cool thing that happens, and I'm done. Not only do we live free and, and there's no condemnation, God's broken that chain, the Holy Spirit is inside of us. We have not just a wingman, God is our pilot, and we live for Him. And we've got a responsibility to step forward and live our life dealing with sin, not living for ourselves, but living for God. And the fourth thing is that in the process of it, that we get assurance of our relationship with God, that God does something in our heart that is just amazing. Look what he says. He says in verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Notice the theme in this. We could honestly do two or three weeks in this passage, but the Holy Spirit is at the center of this. You got the Holy Spirit, you know God. You got the Holy Spirit in your life, you're saved and forgiven. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not. This is nothing about religious rites. There's nothing about us praying or believing in God or going to church or that stuff. This is like, has God done something in your life where your sin and death is paid for and the Holy Spirit has moved in? When the Holy Spirit is in your life, we are children of God. We are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is not a word that rings a bell for us. It was Hebrew. It was just an intimate term. The closest thing we have today is Daddy. We get to call the God of heaven, not just Father as some formal thing, Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. But He's our, he's our Daddy. He's our, our love, tender, the one that we're close to, that the Holy Spirit comes in our life and He adopts us as His Dad. And the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, Provided, yeah, we don't like this part, but I got to read it because it's in here. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Why did Jesus suffer? He suffered because of sin. And it's you and me wrestling through and sinners of this world and wrestling with the sin. Here's what he's saying. He's like, look, if, if you really are saved, there's no condemnation. You've got a new life in me. You got, we've got an obligation to live differently and to live for God, not to be giving ourselves back to sin, not to fall back into that. You birds are free. Get out of the cage. I don't want you going back in the cage. Get out of the cage. Get out of that junk. Live the way I told, told you and made it possible for you to live. 
And by the way, I'm giving you an assurance that you are my child. You see, God doesn't send us an email when we really surrender our life to Him. There's no special code. He doesn't microchip us like you get a dog or can adopt a dog, like, you know, put a little microchip and they run away, you can find them. He doesn't give us a certificate that we hang on a wall. There's nothing that we can see. But what God does do is He gives us something better than all of that. He gives us Himself and the Holy Spirit inside of us. And the Holy Spirit talks to us. And His, the Spirit bears witness with our soul that we belong to Him. You know what that looks like and feels like? He says, I love you. You're mine. You're my child. He says, I know, but it's okay. I'm going to take care of you. You belong to me. I know you're out there, but you're not alone. I'm with you. Sometimes he just comes and he hugs. It's what is moms and dads that we do with our kids. You know, for my little routine, my kids get up. I just, it's kind of in me like, hey, good morning. How are you? And the Holy Spirit does that. He talks to us. Good morning. What are you up to today? How are you doing today? Where are you? I love you. He bears witness in our heart that we are His children. And if you don't have that kind of witness relationship with God in your heart, there's only one of three possibilities. It's not 10 or 20 or 40. If you're like, Sean, I've never experienced God talking to me like that. Like, I believe in God. I've gone to church. I've done all the religious stuff, but I've never had God talking to me and making me really feel all of that. And it's just like, whoa, like, he actually, yeah, he does. There's only one of three possibilities. One, the enemy of Satan is messing with you and putting some stuff inside of you that's masking and hiding that. It'd be like sending your kid off to school and having a a bully or somebody terrorizing, well, your parents don't really love you. I mean, look, if they loved you, you'd have this and this. And the kid, you know, after a while, like, you know, you begin hearing that day after day, well, maybe they're right. Maybe they, maybe my parents don't love me. Yeah, maybe. Like, you'd be ticked off if you, right? right? Where's that kid? I'm going to call his parents, like, you know, take them out. And sometimes the enemy does that to us. Second possibility, you're just going back to sin. And you don't feel very much like the child of God. You know, when you are going away from God and doing your own thing, it's hard to feel like you're a peregrine falcon when you're just sitting in the box. You've been designed and able to fly 200 miles an hour and you just are sitting there hanging back with a sin. It's hard to feel like you're a child of God. And then the third option is, and this is probably the most common of all, is you've really, really never surrendered to Jesus and you need to take that step of faith. You've done a lot of the religious stuff, but the Holy Spirit of God is not inside you. And you still, in your heart, are a sinner before God, and you are condemned. And God this morning is saying, you don't have to be. I want you to be my child. I want you to be free of all that guilt and all of the wrong. Take that step of faith. Trust my son Jesus. Surrender doesn't have to be complicated. You heard Lydia, she just said, I give up. She knew all the stuff behind it, knew Jesus had died and risen again. But what had to happen was in her heart, just three little words, 
I give up. I want Jesus to save me. So this morning, some of you have taken that step long ago. And maybe you just needed a reminder that there's no condemnation in your life. None. Do business with God when you sin and repent and wallow with what you need to, but let God say, you know what? It's over. Maybe you grew up in a home where things that were over were not over. You did something wrong, but you're walking around the whole next week feeling like it's going to come down on you because your mom and dad, the way they did discipline or not did discipline, it just... Parents, we actually help our kids when we discipline them well because we teach them what God does. You get serious and you get real and you deal with it, and then it's gone. It's actually healthy because kids know they've messed up, and then they either think they get away with it, or they're like, I don't know how to get this off my back, and they walk around with this guilt and shame. And, and so teach them to, that you love them, you'll deal with it, but it's over, because that's what God wants to do in our life. And maybe you need to hear that it's over and be reminded if you already know Jesus. Maybe you need to hear that if you're doubting your salvation, that to need to get some help to work through those, those three things. Or maybe you have been like, well, I just need to forgive myself. The biggest thing is you don't need to work at that. Is you need to change your thinking and say, oh, I just need to go and accept the grace anew of what God has done for me. I don't know but maybe there's something in there for each of you that already know Jesus. And for those of you that have not taken that step, I want to just ask you to truly take that step saying, I give up. And if you're still not sure how to do that or what that means or how to reach out to God and say that, I would love to sit and talk with you about that. Other pastors, the other pastors would as well. And we're here to help you and want to do that. Maybe you've taken that step but you've been nervous about baptism and kind of like, oh, I don't know about it, maybe I should. I would love to help you with that, to just sit and talk and walk through those things. We're here for you. But regardless, whatever God you feel like has been kind of speaking in your heart this morning, respond to Him today, all right? Let's pray, would you? Father, thank You for the Lord Jesus, for His grace and salvation. Thank you that you love us and that you remove all condemnation to the point that you can't even find the condemnation. The debt's been paid, not only paid in full, but Lord, we have an overflowing account through what Jesus did. Thank you for that love. Thank you that not only do you legally and maybe financially take care of our sin, but you personally come to us and you live inside of us and we have a new life today with you. Lord, forgive us when we forget that. We are your children. We belong to you. Lord, what an amazing thing. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.